Hey everybody, this is your host, Zeta Grace, Z-E-D-A-G-R-A-C-E. You can also find me on Instagram, or my blog itself is www.survivalmode.guide and covers um, pretty much the same thing that we cover in this podcast. But uh, I just wanted to formally introduce myself since I am not very good at doing that, and you know, this is a learning process, so we're just trying to make it work a little bit better. The episode title of this one is called Animal Behavior. Imagine growing up hidden away from the harsh reality of the world on a 75-acre tobacco farm with rolling hills, swampland, Native American remnants, and horses galore. Now, imagine spending every day transversing the landscape on your horse, trudging along dutifully, galloping up those grassy slopes, wading into the ripples of the pond, jumping over the fallen trees, so far away from society that you're sheltered from its clutches, free to exist as wildly as you were born to. Now, imagine hitting age 18 and being expected to work in the confines of a concrete building, at times never seeing the sun for weeks on end, all because it's your duty to help others in a world where almost half of your constituents actively vote against actual freedoms in some desperate grasp onto freedom from accountability. Shit sucks. Finding your place in that world, particularly as a wild creature, is especially difficult. To be expected to exist so unnaturally, subject to the confines of human judgment, in societies based strongly around religions that you don't respect. In beliefs that you know are naive or just outright false, slow to change and then slower to progress. It's like one of those National Geographic specials when you compare the speed with which the lionesses prowling the savannah hunt to the rate at which the grass grows. I understand the normalcy of pace is relative, but mine is just off the charts. Add in several near-death experiences of my own, an overwhelming heap of childhood trauma, and witnessing several deaths firsthand, and you get the healthy knowledge of complex PTSD and along with it, questioning your reality while also trying to balance wanting to help the world with hating the world and all of humanity in it. Factor in the impulsive curiosity of ENTJs, an objectively attractive female body, and learning by studying the world around me, and you've got the lethal combination that results in whatever the fuck I am. And I'm obviously intense, like I know I'm a lot to handle, believe me. I think it was the meme that said like, fuck no, I'm not wife material, I'm totalitarian dick material, that really made me feel appreciated for the way I am. Like, as alone as I normally am in the world, I'm not actually that alone. There are others equally weird, equally accepting, like me, just not necessarily in my physical environment. Again, download TikTok. It's basically happiness and body positivity and quirky humor at its best, which makes sense seeing as how I live tucked away on our farm in an incredibly conservative town the majority of my life. Or how my aunt phrased it, we admire unique children and often criticize them as unique adults. But I guess I just hadn't realized how artistic I am with my life prior to having this extra time in quarantine. Like sure, I was a painter and an artist supporting myself through grad school, but I was a woman of STEM first and foremost. I was a professional and you couldn't blend both. 
not in the extremity that I'm just naturally inclined to. But what good is science when it doesn't captivate the audience? And what good is medicine when the knowledge of the human body gets lost? It wasn't until my third or fourth trip to Europe, (laughs) I know, basic bitch, that really broadened my horizons in regards to what I thought about sexuality. Growing up so conservatively, particularly in a military culture, I was taught to be quiet. I was seen but not heard, silent unless spoken to. Emotion and sexuality was visceral. It was a distraction. The only thing that separated us from the animals we raised was our control over that. But animals are humans. In capitalism, we rush everything in such a way that life becomes a race. We're never calm because destruction is just around the corner, whether it's war, economic collapse, terrorism, whatever. Our men have been raised through such an incredibly toxic patriarchal society that their connections to their emotions exist almost exclusively through sport or animated virtual realities like this is the oasis in Ready Player One. God forbid they express overwhelming love and vulnerability freely just in case it's unrequited. Our men lack the passion that European men are notorious for. They've forgotten the art of intimacy. Like everything else, even sex has somehow become cold and quick and transactional. And sex should be an art. You shouldn't just fuck the guy who makes you feel good for like the 10 seconds he lasts just for you to need to seek out plan B in an STD test and him being way more trouble than he was worth. Just save yourself the drama, ladies. Sex toys have gotten amazing. Why would you settle for a minimal chance of orgasm when you can just watch porn and figure out 10 ways to come on your own? And watch a guy get like a little dominated so that you're not the only one getting fucked, like literally or figuratively. And art is not meant to be appreciated universally. So you're not going to be appreciated universally and you should just perform it for those who who are actually deserving. You should fuck the people who cultivate your body, drinking it in like a sip of fine wine, in the same way that you should also look at it. As in, your body is only going to get finer as it ages. Those who understand just how incredible all of the cellular connections that had to come together to create you in this exact version, and understand just how truly spectacular that is, those are the men you want to fuck. Is it because we call all of our men like farm animals, desensitizing their cocks as babies? Or is it the overwhelming porn addictions that detract from the artistic value of it? It's definitely like a European mentality, but I refuse to let fucking become so rabid, even in its most primal, that I allow my body to be misused by those incapable of painting. Someone who understands the raw power they hold, grasped within their palms, or perched upon their cocks. The USA just needs a sexual revolution. The men are depressed, repressed, and consequentially worse at fucking because they can't connect to their emotions and then express them. Sexual repression is strange to me as an adult. The contrast between the childhood of Christianity forcibly deep-throating me into thinking sex was and should be shameful or sneaky and the reality of the world that I've come to terms with as like a basically spiritual at best 
um, inexplicably atheist with a healthy BDSM kink is a pretty stark contrast. Like, we look at animals of other species to explain our own behavior as humans. So with the monogamy, why do I think humans have to be among the, mo- like, the 3 to 5% of, you know, our 5,000 plus species of animals on this planet who are actually monogamous? Why would our society have outlawed homosexual behavior when over 450 species also exhibit displays of such? And why, in 2020, when we understand the cyclical nature of anthropological societal norms with access to all of this knowledge, like, pretty openly, why do we still allow for ignorance of these realities in the world? In some ancient Roman civilizations, men commonly took up male sexual partners after marriage. Honestly, if you ask me, (laughs) that's pretty fucking hot. Like, I personally really enjoy the idea of a man wanting no other woman other than me, of course, but still allowing me to share partners with them. That would honestly just be the dream. Two men I've seen intermittently currently live together, so the goal there would obviously be a throuple. Like, just kidding. Like, neither of them would ever be down to share me, although one of them does kind of claim it's his fantasy, so we'll see. They're both very into socialism, though, so it's also on par for why they might be down to share me, you know. Plus, anyone who is into BDSM to an extent understands that it's usually not about the action itself so much. It's about the aspect of control. And control, especially in a country and during an age where we are raised to struggle with sharing particularly those of us with like Great Depression and World War II era grandparents, makes it easier said than done when it comes to an entirely different human that you've been ingrained to think you're supposed to claim for yourself. Like branding them in one form or another, changing the way they're addressed, like as if it matters. And the men who love me know that I'm a little bit wild. They know they like cannot tame me at all and are in for a very non-traditional form of life compatibility. Like I said, I'm a scientist. I'm more curious than anything. That tantalizing moment in Pirates of the Caribbean when Elizabeth Swan whispers in Captain Jack Sparrow's ear when she's like, you're going to want to know what it tastes like. That's how I feel about sex and the people I'm attracted to. The human body is fucking incredible. Like, I study action potentials and nerve endings all day. I just want to know how everything and everybody works. Medical people are some of the strangest because the kinks they never fail to develop around their professions are so eye-opening. And who am I to judge? If it makes your body feel good and you like it, whatever. Like, sex is supposed to be enjoyable for everyone involved and it doesn't need to follow a playbook. We need to stop kink shaming when they're usually the result of conditioned norms and we need to stop shaming men and women alike for telling them for decades that sex was shameful, that masturbation was shameful, and that your body's primary purpose should be for someone else's use, particularly in a society where sex sells. I personally don't feel that compelled to act on my urges that often. ENTJs are notorious for being the Myers-Briggs type indicator, most likely to utilize sex toys and be more adventurous, but if I'm not mentally encapsulated, it's just like a light switch, or how those vampires from the Vampire Diaries just switch off their emotions. So if I don't see a worthy candidate, or haven't just connected with someone mentally, I'm basically completely asexual. 
I've gone through two asexual phases of celibacy without even masturbating on two different like year and a half to two year segments purely because I went through these difficult breakups and I wanted to mentally be back on track before I could commit myself physically to anything. Which is also why I don't view diversions from heteronormativity as that strange. I think exploration is natural and humans are curious, um, pretty odd creatures <laughs> to be honest. Learning them at their most vulnerable and primally heightened is the most dangerous game of all. It's fascinatingly intriguing to witness them uh, illuminated in the moonlight, like free to slither around, <laughs> uninhibited, completely comfortable with themselves and with you in that moment. So how do I wander the Parisian canals, listening to the musicians play, the Notre Dame standing tall and proud, RIP, um, having run all the way down from the sloping cobblestones of the Basilica and the windmills of Moulin Rouge? How do I roam the storefronts of Amsterdam's red light district solo after spending the afternoon biking around the city, basking in the powerful, somber, yet beautifully tragic collection that was the Anne Frank house, wandering the Van Gogh exhibits in a museum solely dedicated to him, and then not direct my intrigue towards the cultural immersion of performative sex. The sexuality owned by the women illuminated by the curtains was so interesting. Like the power of the men who guarded the doors the, and the lack of attention that I drew walking down the middle of the street, even though I do know there was a fair amount of random stairs that I'm pretty sure made the assumption that I was just coming off of a shift myself. Um, how do I wander around the gardens in La Villa de Estes in Italy walkways with hundreds of fountains and Bernardini sculptures just to return home and be expected to buy into this consumerism and keeping up with the Joneses? How do I float freely, like basically nude in the waters of the Adriatic Sea, drifting easily with the increased salinity such that even with my muscles, I don't automatically float to the bottom as I usually do? So nice. How do I do that and then feel so uninhibited, so carefree, because my body's admired, sure, but it's not shamed in the way that it feels shameful to share it? Or to lay on the beaches in the south of France um, along La Ciotat, tits in every direction and men in speedos, and not have anyone steal a second glance. In the USA, I can't even go to a pool without a guy trying to like swipe a Snapchat of how nice my ass is, just so he can jerk off to the visual and come on his phone screen later that night. But in European countries, most with legal prostitution notably, I not only felt safe, but I felt natural and at ease, like the way of life was actually advanced. And how do I go back to the USA and expect to abide by corporate normalcy after I know these variations in the cultures exist and that the bounds of my knowledge and reality constructed by my childhood for how the world worked was just wrong? How do I balance experiencing these things, these places, then going back to the normalcy of whatever the fuck we think life is supposed to be about in the USA? Plot twist. It's definitely not what we're currently doing. <laughs> How do I settle for men who are so disconnected from that purpose of humanity? And why would I ever be expected to settle just because my biological clock is ticking? 
If these men do not lock me down in time, that is not my fucking fault. They have nobody to blame for the genes not propagating in this life other than themselves. I also think that's a Freudian, like, intrigue as to why men are so attracted to me. From a scientific perspective, we study a lot of societal traits or characteristics in objective ways to see how different evolutionary mechanisms arrive. I, and everyone else, is therefore the result of their genealogical advancements that permitted them to survive until this day and age. Which, as an epidemiologist with a morbid fascination in all things grim, also reminds me that I likely have certain genetic factors for particular character traits, including my predisposition to like PTSD, anxiety, depression, due to my family's survivalist military history, union generals and prisoners of war, nursing and setting up our home as a hospital during the Civil War, traders with Native Americans and mastering nine different languages to facilitate peaceful exchanges, Yeah, it sucks we were also on their land, but I can't change that right now, so I'm just glad we weren't Confederates like my good old boy Strider's family were. Uh, Serving in London during the Blitz in World War II, the West Point Military Academy, overseas tours of Italy, Korea, Vietnam, the Italian Army War College, being a Knight of the Italian Republic, nuclear weapon developers within the Pentagon, more burials in Arlington National Cemetery than I can remember, I'm just a fucking, like, apex predator. (laughs) I will die fighting for what I believe in. Uh, Why would I expect that intensity to ever be dulled in reference to anything, particularly in reference to the most primal form of submitting me to your advances? There's a ton of dudes with breeding fetishes who have openly fantasized about the types of powerful children they would make with me. Honestly, I cannot blame them. I've never had to worry about it, though. What's annoying is they don't take any concrete steps towards setting up a secure familial life for me just because they either think I'm not ready or wouldn't be interested, even though I've explicitly told them I would, but then they have the self-confidence of Chucky Finster from Rugrats and think that I'm casting some kind of magic spell over them and tricking them. Um, This isn't me being facetious either. They have told me that this is how they interpret interacting with me. And I am brutally honest. I may be somewhat emotionally cold, but I'm very communicative. Maybe not outwardly expressive, but what do you expect when I've been expected to compartmentalize emotions? To perform on sometimes national stages, no matter what condition I was in, with reference to any other aspect of things going on. Straight up tunnel vision. And now that I can do and find and learn things with love, And after several near-death experiences, I know just how precious this life I'm granted is. Uh, I've stared down what I thought was sure death and just felt peace and acceptance. And then I walked away just unharmed. (laughs) I'm aware that most people would classify it as probably mentally unhinged. It's fine. We're working through it. My boyfriends get like 28 personalities so they can have their hands full. And it's like a real life version of those Polly Pockets or Barbies. You can dress me however you want. I'll look great. I've had several careers. Nothing has really fueled my passion for life though. Turns out I'm more passionate about not working and, you know, just total domination. Imagine that. Maybe it was the child labor. Cats sit around all day and watch the stupidity of humanity and you don't question it twice and you still love them when they consent to giving you affection. 
Most of you even admire their defiance, those cute little scratches, unless you declaw them, which turns out is pretty cruel, to be honest. Like, we might as well be practicing Chinese foot binding for cats. So why, when an intelligent lioness is watching her prey across the savanna, surveying the pathetic lack of options in this drought of emotional intelligence, do we condemn it in human form as a man-hater? I am not a man-hater. Far from it. I love men, and as such, it is quite clear sexuality is not a fucking preference because there is no logical explanation as to why I should still be attracted to men at this point. If anything, I'm Nelly Furtado's man-eater come to life. I don't try to be either. One of the guys I have unfinished business with who actually watches my Instagram stories regularly and I'm assuming reads this or listens to it, he compares me to Jennifer Lawrence's character in Red Sparrow and he does so admiringly. This guy is a special force medic in the army, (laughs) undeniably way too good of a person for me. He would like encourage me to be the best version of myself and all that shit, knowing that it was going to be an uphill battle. I have long accepted that adulthood made me realize, begrudgingly, I was in fact Slytherin and not Gryffindor, but the fact that I can just know in some inexplicable way that he will come back into my life, because how do you turn your back on the actual grit and determination that gave you hope in the ungodly Moroccan heat months into your deployment and never quite settling in because the reality of carrying weaponry with you at all times and needing to will never not be unsettling and now that you are home and you realize you cannot return to the life you thought you were leaving because it's never gonna look in the same sense of peace or naivety no matter how hard you try and you can't protect others from the darkness can you look past the allure of someone who owns that darkness as armor glittering black in the night, the ambience of my soul. It's pretty obvious by now that I would have been burned at the stake during the Salem Witch Trials. Every time I watch Monty Python in the Holy Grail, when they're like, what makes you think she's a witch? Literally any answer for any guy is, well, since women are emotionally intelligent and men are predictable as fuck, we can understand when you're controlled by the thing you value most of all between your legs and how that idea is terrifying to you. Seriously, I get it. The sexual trance must be terrifying, yada yada. Can't you motherfuckers just be grateful? One of the most interesting and annoying reflections is also the knowledge that the men I've been intimate with also understand just how soft and vulnerable I can be. Which, juxtapositionally speaking, is so significant that it warrants anomaly. Believe me, it's not the most fun to sit and write about the sweeter topics or ones that would normally be easier for people with happier backgrounds or topics that warrant insight into the mentality of the hunter, exposing the potential for weakness, although ultimately knowing that anyone who judges purely by what is put out into the world is only seeing a minute portion of who that person is. You see my personality, not the reality of my current day. It's like living with me is a different day in Dr. Strange's reality. So why am I expected to prioritize such a significant portion of my time to something as trivial as dating? As if I, one, don't have a plethora of other candidates or options, and two, 
don't have more important things to do. And if the man who pursues me can't understand that and do the pursuit himself, then he probably won't value my feelings enough to have earned dating me as is. Right now, I'm undeniably at my weakest, most evolved or uninvolved form too. I like to call it my natural form for the record, but let's just assume I'm Eevee from Pokemon. Pretty basic, plain, I have multiple degrees, published research, but am worth negative amounts of money, and because I've worked every waking moment of my life for roughly 25 years, I now understand that I do not, in fact, have to work this hard, and I'm told that I should want to for others' benefit. Others who are rude and disrespectful and feel entitled to be able to make judgments over your body. Somehow, I'm supposed to give a damn about your opinion? (laughs) I'll pass. I can take any fucking stone and involve whatever direction I want, and I have been. Vaporeon is my personal fave, but Joltan also holds a special place in my heart. Investment-wise, this is the best time for men to lay claim to me and make their intentions known. Do they think I'm somehow going to get more approachable with life? That life will just, you know, soften me up with time? That this sunny disposition is going to just fade away into delirious oblivion if I microdose on enough shrooms? I make myself available, I just also think it's way more likely that I'll be introduced to my future spouse either through chance or through a friend of a friend, or through a romantic comedy remake of the ending of Sweet Home Alabama. Seriously, I'm not kidding. One of the guys I referenced in my interview with Mina, the farm boy, knows that it is one of my favorite movie and purposefully quotes it. Flirting with me, he says things like, whatever blows your dress up, knowing damn well the fact that like I assume because of the connotation with Jake's character being fully in love with Reese Witherspoon's that that means that he's fully in love with me he acts like I don't know it's only a matter of time before he confesses that he loves me and we have to actually give it a real try it's terrifying for both of us at least the sex is worth the mental gymnastics for the record it could be very very simple he's just afraid to ask But he also does not deserve it until he's able to ask. (laughs) Then I have option number two, Strider. I purposefully named him Strider because he self-identifies as Aragorn in real life. Like has slid in my DMs when I quote Aragorn and says what a turn on it is basically. Which hopelessly dooms me to think about him whenever I watch Lord of the Rings now. Which is a lot like I love Lord of the Rings but then it's so obnoxious because he's definitely just stoic and quiet and the lone ranger version of Aragorn not the gentlemanly warrior ready for love and to take on the world with me I am ready for that Aragorn side note it's completely possible that they listen but I also think it's just as likely that they think I'm a complete lunatic and they want to live in blissful ignorance Or they are already so consumed by the mental image of the fantasy that is me come to life for them that they would never listen or try to consume even more information about me. Maybe if this somehow takes off, but unlikely since I do like 0% advertising or marketing, but more so because I don't want any of you to like expect anything of me or like know what's coming. (laughs) That's when you guys start to demand things or 
you know, think you should be allotted insight to me. To be clear, that will never be the case. I share what I want. You earn the respect. Um, a novel concept, I know, especially for the white men that follow me. If I have to always be on my toes, then so do you. Um, it was incredibly validating, to be honest, when I took one of those extensive personality character trait ranking tests that established what characters from pop culture you would be. My closest match was 91% Arya Stark. That moment when Arya fucks Gendry and he asks her to be his lady sitting at home and she's like, that's not me. I'm not a lady. Girl, I fucking feel you. But tell me why Gendry was completely fine walking all around the Seven Kingdoms for the sake of the kingdom, but wouldn't fucking ask to join Arya on her lifetime of adventures. Anyways, if you're interested, the rest of the list is as follows. 1. Arya Stark, 91%. 2. The Alien from Alien. 3. Sherlock Holmes. 4. Ruth Langmore from Ozark. 5. Omar Little, The Wire. 6. Maeve Millay, uh, Westworld. 7. Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. 8. Toph from Avatar. 9. River Tam. 10. Janice Ian from Mean Girls. 11. Azula from Avatar. 12. Black Widow from Marvel. 13. Christina Yang, Grey's Anatomy. 14. Bertrand Guilfoyle, Silicon Valley. 15. Joe March, Little Woman. 16. Red Reznikov from Orange is the New Black. 17. Daenerys, Game of Thrones. 18. Asha, uh, Game of Thrones. 19. Alistair Moody, Harry Potter. 20. Buffy Summers, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 21. Alex Voss, Orange is the New Black. 22. Dagny Taggart from Atlas Shrugged. 23. Captain Marvel. 24. Gamora, from both from Marvel. 25. Dolores, from Westworld. And 26. Elizabeth Bennet, Pride and Prejudice. It keeps going, but I just wanted us to take a moment to appreciate some of my favorites. My notable reactions were, one, Arya, not surprised at all. Validated felt really good. I always, you know, you say that you identify as a character, but then it's another thing to actually get that. Especially, you know, this wasn't a BuzzFeed level quiz. It was a legitimate quiz, okay? Uh, Sherlock Holmes. I would fuck Robert Downey Jr. in his Sherlock Holmes costume in a heartbeat. What a fucking hottie. Uh, Maeve. Thank fuck. I'm leaning towards the logical, crazy, but absolutely justified type of characters, and I'm very glad that that comes across in a personality uh, test as well. Uh, Toph before Azula. Not surprised in either case, but again, it's reassuring that I'm slightly the more positive characters. Maybe there's some redeeming qualities in me after all. Uh, one of the guys I fucked from UF guessed I would have been Azula. He did not guess Toph, come to think of it. Uh, Black Widow, the hottest Marvel character for me. The fucked up backstory. I can, I can dig it. Uh, Joe March, the writer clinging to her independence and following her heart instead of logic. No. Daenerys, I'm here for these strong female characters. Also, I'm a little worried about what the commonality of men being their tragic flaw has to say about it, but... It's fine. I'll just ignore it for now. And Elizabeth Bennett. Honestly, I'm just picturing that scene in the Netflix film After, which great romantic comedy, ladies. Ugh, gotta love the angsty writer types of men. 
Um, and the men who love me, who deserve me, they don't love me because I'm submissive. They love the fire, the wit, the passion, and the confusion that comes with it. They're entranced by the reality of who I am in such a way that casts doubt due to the sheer quickness, the all or none response, the primal necessity to be with me that makes nothing else matter to them. Like I said in my interview with Mina, almost every single guy that I've had a significant long-term relationship with has told me and I've been able to tell just by looking at them that they loved me almost immediately I it doesn't really make sense I know the difference between lust and love and it's just like I can just tell in the way they look um but sometimes their self-doubt does make them think that I'm unattainable plus the slight concern that I may either be a beacon of light calling them to shore or some fateful tune of a siren is probably very overwhelming I empathize with them I really do At the end of the day, if they never try to kill me, I will never try to kill them. Pretty simple terms as to whether I pose a threat to their safety. I feel like that's fairly normal and shouldn't be weird, and the fact that they're expected to earn my trust as men and physically dominant beings is really practical over weird, but social optics and everything, you know. So I'm going to look deep into nature and make sense of the world around me, really Albert Einstein it. And I'm going to gravitate towards those who make me feel most connected to that, who embody it, who remind me of the magical world in which we live, even within the confines of our home. The people who remind me of just what we live for, what our greater purpose as humans on this planet is. I've been undeniably wrong about people's intentions in the past. I've been repeatedly lied to, and the delay in me finding out the truth is usually only when I don't care enough to notice the deviation in your pattern of behavior. I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. It does not matter in the grand scheme of things. What matters most is the feeling that being in the presence of those you're aligned with so much spiritually, and that you can undeniably entrust that inner instinct, the instinct, mind you, um, that almost always has been on high alert that has inexplicably served you right over and over even if it you know does usually make you look a little crazy at first I don't have the time to sit here and walk you through your life's possibilities and what they could mean I know nothing with any certainty but I'm sure that's not my job and would only make you hate me down the road anyone who is meant to walk my path of life with me is meant to do so on their own free will understanding that I may very well accidentally lead them to danger, but I will never mean to, and that it will be an undeniably grand life of adventure either way, though undoubtedly unpredictable. If we were another species, free of the notorious necessity to track our every move, willingly, with the technology in our hands, technology which offers comfort and security, even in the most rural and obscure of places, free of the necessity, the willpower, and the ability to analyze memory by memory, understanding the importance of perspective, of removing bias from judgment. Again, like, was I born this way? My grand magistrate judge of ancestors and owners of the Cedar County Republican Stockton, Missouri newspaper would be proud. 
but I wouldn't be looked at so mystically if like that was the norm. And I could retreat into my layer of anonymity to plot my next move without it seeming like a weakness. I could also switch directions seamlessly without being judged. It's only a weakness because you've tied my purpose in life as a woman to the presence of another or the recognition of another's validation, even if that other is society. That is where we differ. Your perspective of what you think I should take initiative on is flawed. It's built around your insecurities and what you admire in my ferocity what opportunities you do not have. It's not built around a carefully cultivated set of skills and ability to captivate with ease or the wit to match and dance mentally with others. I'm not meant to confine it or to be controlled or answered to the whims of society just because I seek out others with as intriguing of minds. For the first time in my life, I have the opportunity to be selfish, to not answer to other people to be allowed to make my own decisions. You are feeble creatures if you think I'm going to compromise that when you refuse to dive in and be able to communicate your feelings. You can also be okay with not actually sharing me physically as long as you put no barriers on sharing my mentality. AKA, you'll never be able to censor what I cover, the ultimate trust fall. My partner needs to be ready for that, and they can come find me once they are while I continue to perfect it. I put enough of my personality out there that it's like a bee spreading pollen all over the place. If you think it's intense to experience it secondhand, think of what I feel like with the energy of that stupid bunny that never stops and the intellect of decades of engineers in strategical minds. I started watching The Queen's Gambit and felt a bit attacked when they said creativity and psychosis often go hand in hand, or for that matter, genius and madness, because having to answer to the expectations of others after the reality of the world hits you, and particularly the reality of what people have power and value in this country, that rogue lifestyle starts looking more and more attractive. I no longer wish to play games that do not interest me, and men in particular have disappointed me in such drastic proportions that you cannot expect me to prioritize them as worthy prey any longer. The very thought is hilarious. Honestly, let me just take some time solo and work on myself, okay? Spare me your judgment. I once broke up with a boyfriend the night before his sister's wedding after spending the entire rehearsal dinner meeting his extended family because he lied to my face about a girl who texted him to meet up at like 1am. Dude, I could see the name. It was very clearly not your friend Matt. I was right, by the way. They had been a lot more than friends lately. But nobody had to rap about it for me to know that it ain't nothing to cut that bitch off because I drove myself back to Chapel Hill, hit up my good old on and off again boo who was, I'd only been seeing him for like four years at that point, fucked him the whole night, guilt free, and never spoke to that ex-boyfriend again until he mailed me a letter, which I actually have, maybe one day I'll read it. Life is too short to worry about men who can't be honest. 
It's also too short to worry about men who are obsessed with their own cocks, so they're at least decent at using them, but then spend the whole time in bed staring at themselves instead of studying you. It bores me. Growing up is realizing you side with all of the Disney villains. When that bitchy line was like, I'm surrounded by idiots, girl, I get it now. Took me a while, but I see it. And being so intelligent that you dissect reality and analyze the bounds of what you know is exactly why you are so drawn to men. They're curious creatures, and cats do like to torture their prey before they kill it, so watching them squirm has its advantages. Learning the way their dicks work, like the manual shift on a car, switching gears with minor maneuvers, it's an art. Men can appreciate the mastery of piloting of the Millennial Falcon by Han Solo, so why can they not realize that I shouldn't need to be an amorphous form to soften the weight of my words? I'm simply providing you with feedback and anecdotal evidence of things you should maybe know for the future. It's basically community service. Unlike most people, I don't need the reality of the world sugar-coated prior to being forced to deep throat and swallow it. I don't need to seek out men, nor do I plan to answer to one. That doesn't mean I can't submit. And I don't need to cater to the natural sexuality you've placed on my persona only to now be intimidated by it because I know what it looks like illuminated in a haze of smoke and purple light, posed atop six-inch stilettos, a mini dress barely covering my ass, with strippers freeing my nipples from the confines of my dress as they lick my skin and give me a lap dance. I just wanted to make it rain and wave over which one I thought was the hottest. I was just happy to be here. Y'all were supposed to be the ones stripping. I was not getting paid for this. My future husband gets the biggest freak, willing to fulfill, or at least entertain, almost all of his fantasies. Which, interestingly enough, I actually learned that sex toys are often geared towards different species or creatures because it's easier for partners to use them in the bedroom without getting more intimidated. Do we really think I'm supposed to sit around pining for a man's lack of presence? No. If anything, I'm pining for just the lack of actual dick because sex toys, while great, just don't replace the mind games for me. Like I said, my dependency on man is rather frustrating. I'm just going to work on my hobbies, and if the now doctor who used to cook his own DMT in his bedroom prior to fucking me wants to come back around for another round and show me how he's a grown person, I will listen to persuasion. Sue me for enjoying the physical thing I lack that you can offer me. This is your innate advantage. Men should take pride in that. And yes, I understand the irony of coming and talking about this or taking the time to write it. I get it that it defeats the purpose of me not sitting around and thinking about dick. Let's make a clear distinction me fantasizing about what I want to, one to do with me is not me being dependent on one. If anything, particularly in a male-dominated world where my livelihood and greatest means of financial success involve catering towards the male gaze and shattering its expectations, 
it bodes well for me to imagine how you think and to know and to enjoy catering towards that. But the USA in particular has always loved caging exotic animals, ripping them from their natural habitats, forcing them to pace back and forth within the confines of their cage, deluding them into thinking that they should somehow be grateful for the life that you grant them? Why would we expect society to treat women any differently? So if I have to address it so that I won't have to repeat myself for the next 10 guys who disappoint me from Bumble, as they get to try so hard to convince me just how different they are when in reality they're just trying to convince themselves, or maybe it's for the random guys on the internet who are into being emasculated a little bit, so they like to listen to this. Like I said, it's a public service announcement. You're welcome. I'm not going to stroke your egos for doing the bare minimum. Greatest showman, the fuck out of your life. That's probably a bad analogy disclaimer. I have not actually watched it. I have watched enough romantic comedies and love romantic comedies to know that as a woman, I'm likely condemned to love a man who does not deserve it, but will bring me inexplicable and idiotic joy. Kind of like how my dog loves me and gets unreasonably happy when I come home, even if I could have come home a few hours earlier but chose not to. It brings me disdain that with every passing day, I know one day I too will submit to that fate. So please just let me enjoy singlehood guilt-free while I still can and let me take enjoyment in one of the last things I have left in this world while capitalism and the impending warfare threatens my habitat, dulls the senses of men, takes them off the menu with supply and demand, and expects me to play it safe despite having been raised to follow the call of the wild. So clearly dating in the 21st century when you have to surmise yourself to a handful of incredibly basic questions and photos of how to best sell yourself just doesn't really work for me. I've long said that I cannot wait for my shining moment to just be somebody's ideal second wife. All of you men can go get married in your 20s, not knowing who you are, but desperately wanting it to be the suburban version of yourself that you've been told your whole life represents happiness and comfort, just to realize five years into the marriage and three kids later that you hadn't actually known who you were, or if you did, you were too afraid of what it might reveal to question, so that you ran away. Or you just bought a shiny new convertible well past when it's acceptable to, but when it's the first time in your life you've actually been able to afford it, and you come to realize that I was in fact right all along. Please stop pushing the conservative agenda on me being a baby-making factory who sits at home like a good housewife. No shame to those who do it, I'll just never be a typical mom. Should I be blessed with that gift? It'll be like the Maleficent movies. If you wonder why it's frustrating, just know that my mom was working on her third kid by my age. In fact, today, while talking about life's uncertainties, her suggested solution was for me to have children. With who? Can't y'all just be happy that I at least preliminarily cured like one strain of prostate cancer and can that just be my contribution to society? Why does whether I bring a date to a wedding or how much debt I have at my 10-year high school reunion even matter. Just let me exist, weirdly, uninterrupted, and free.
We, as humans and as Americans, should just take note of the levels of sexual repression. We should not settle for this bleak hookup culture of depravity and just accept the quick, easy fucks. That shouldn't even interest us. What happened to winning? That is the participation trophy culture of fucking. Even though I can't say I'm surprised, because Americans in particular are predisposed to looking for the easy solution over the long-term investment. I may settle for Biden, but I will never settle for a man. What's a queen without a king? Historically speaking, more powerful.